Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome back to the weekly scraps. Okay, so I saw the video, the interview, the infamous slash famous video of Sean Strickland discussing what it's like to be a UFC fighter and answering a lady and pretty much telling her how his her kids should follow their dream to become an MMA slash UFC fighter. I'm going to say this. Sean Strickland was not wrong. But his delivery could have been packaged just a little bit better. But that's what you get when you get Sean Strickland. You're going to get the raw, uncut version. Tell it to you straight. No cutting corners. And I, I, I read the comments. This is what always kills me. When I read the comments and then people just kind of act like they know something that they do not know. They speak on it as if they are an expert. They speak on it as if they have experience. They speak on it as if they've done it. They've lived it. And they've seen these things firsthand. When they have no freaking clue or idea what they're talking about. This video, I want to disclose what I made in my first UFC contract. Now guys... I'm not going to talk about what I make now because I've, I've done that in the past, ruffled some feathers. Um, and of course, now looking back on it in hindsight, uh, I did it prematurely thinking that the numbers were going to be disclosed anyway. If I knew that they weren't, I wouldn't have done that. So make sure that it's very, very clear. But my first UFC contract back in 2014 is 2023 now. I'm pretty much... A vet in the game, I, I would imagine that's what people would label me as. Um, I've been there, done that, and I've made my way up through the ringer, and it's been a bit of a rocky road. Now, I'm going to paint the picture. I'm a college kid. When I started fighting and started MMA, I was a sophomore in college, and I, uh, oh, my friend's birthday tomorrow. I was a sophomore in college over at SUNY Cortland. I transferred from SUNY Mooresville to SUNY Cortland. Had no aspirations about being a fighter. I wanted to go to school and become a physical education teacher, which is a gym teacher, and live a perfect, happy life in Long Island for the rest of my life. That was the goal. Be a teacher, get a job early. Starting salary in Long Island at my high school was 56000 for the year. That was like the average in Long Island. So you could imagine you could start coming out of college at a salary like that summer's off this is the way and then some teachers make up to 120k for the year in long island so i'm painting a picture this was my goal start 56,000. each year it goes up eventually get my master's degree that paycheck also goes up and also teach wrestling and then that paycheck also brings in some more cake life's good then i ran into my good friend from way back then john jones who I met at SUNY Morrisville, who was training down the road. So John Jones training down the road at SUNY Cortland. I see his pictures and videos on MySpace. I message him. I say, hey, brother, I want to come down and try this out. He said, with open arms, like, yeah, yeah, come down. And then when I said, I'm coming down, he straight up just flat out told me, and this is brother to brother speaking, right? It's like, ninja, you ain't going to come. You ain't going to show up. And I'm just like, yo, my ninja, I guarantee you I'm going to pull up. Bet. Pulled up. Never stopped training since that day. That was a conversation between him and I way back then. 
John, I, I, I really did enjoy John's company back then. I didn't really know him all that well, but he was cool when it came to the wrestling, showing me stuff at the dorm rooms and stuff like that. Not the dorm rooms, but the wrestling mats. Um, recorded one of my first wrestling matches, my comeback win, which is on YouTube. Uh, John was just really cool. And I don't know what happened along the way. I think something happened. Whatever. That's a whole other conversation. We're not as cool as we once we once were. But that's natural. Obviously, he would train somewhere else. I train somewhere else. I break down fights. I can't be biased. So it's not like I'm going to be sitting there just saying John was going to beat, beat everyone just because, you know, I, I try to give the goods. But even though he's that good where it's going to be hard to beat him no matter who you are. Um, with that being said, I started training SUNY Cortland. Um, eventually get to the UFC. I'm a full-time professional fighter while I am in college. After my last season in 2011, I make the pro jump from amateur. I'm fighting in between seasons now, guys. In between seasons, wrestling seasons, I would jump and take a fight here and there, short notice. I didn't care. I just wanted experience. I wanted to compete. The love of the sport. I didn't care about money. I didn't care about any of that things. It just, it's a fight. There was something exhilarating about doing that at 19, or should I say 20, I think, I think, eight, I think 19 as well. 19, 20, I'm going to say 19, 19, 20 years old. And of course, 21 when I'm a senior now, my, I finished my, my, I finished my senior year of collegiate wrestling. I cried my eyes out. I took six. I lost my last match of the season. The same thing I did my junior year. I lost my last match. I took fourth. I lost my last match. And then I take six and lost my last match. Burned. Went. One month later, I'm making my pro debut against Sergio Da Silva, RIP. Rest in peace of Sergio. Um, good friend of Jared Gordon. Um, small community man, also from New York. Made my debut against him. I have... A crazy debut. It's probably about two 30-24 scorecards. 30-25. Yeah, 30-25s. And uh, I think maybe one 30-24. I would have to go look it up to verify that. But crazy. It was just a crazy debut. Right? I'm doing flying knees, jumping, switch kicks. Everything I've seen Anderson Silva did on TV, I'm trying to do the same thing. I'm throwing spinning back fists. I'm a young, invincible human being. I don't care. I'm just doing stuff. I don't really even know technique. I'm just throwing stuff. And it sticks. That fight I made, I made 500 bucks, right? I made 250 to show and a 250 to win. So I made a total of $500 for my pro debut. Let's fast forward this. I now become 8-0. That's at 21. I am now 24 years old. I have to work. I have to make money. I'm living on Long Island. I had a shoulder surgery on my labrum, which kept me out for almost a year. So the money that I was making, because I was penny pinching, right? I had my refund check. Saving up my, my money where I can, using it to fund my training, using it to pay for gas, using it to pay for car maintenance, using it to pay for my rent, using it to pay for food. And back then I was eating dollar sandwiches. I was buying packs of chicken and just baking them. No real seasoning. I don't think I put any seasoning on it at all. Just baked it in the oven. I was living at this place, um, Minaya Road in Ithaca, outside of Ithaca. And... Um, <laughs> My mom taught me how to make rice over the phone. So I learned that. So I'm making rice with baked chicken. Sometimes I would go and eat a McChicken sandwich or a four-piece McNuggets because they were dollars, a dollar back then. And remember, this is 2011, 2012. Um, and in 2013, eventually I moved back home to Long Island to start fresh and start at home where I could at least save some money on rent. 
but then I still need to pay for all my other things. Still funding my training. So I use my money for my refund check. So I'm giving you guys the whole story. I use my money for my refund check to now fund my training because I didn't spend all my money. I had a goal. I knew what I wanted to do with my life. Once I started fighting, I was like, I'm going to get my college degree. This is my backup plan. My now first and foremost plan is going to be myself trying this journey of MMA and seeing how far I could take it. So I got my refund check money. It's a couple thousand dollars in the bank, excess money that I got from the, the government and money that I got from the loans that I took out under my name that I still have to pay back and now I'm still paying back till this day, till this day. So I'm doing that, funding my training, and then um, I get to the UFC. So now here's the good part. My contract. I'm drinking a beer, hanging out at my house. I get the call from my manager at the time, Dave Martin back then, Dave Martin LLC. Um, I believe Ally Quinta is still with him and Gian Vellante, uh, Michael Chandler. Great dude. You're in. Now, mind you, they told me I wasn't ready after my last win, which I finished the guy in about a minute and 20 seconds or 30 seconds in the very first round. Rear naked choke. Um, it's just what I, I don't know. That was just my thing. Three finishes in a row. Third round, second round, and then my last fight on the regional circuit for Cage Fury was in the first round. They told me I wasn't ready, uh, pretty much because I didn't have any stand-up. I was mostly just throwing wild stuff that I saw on the TV. People jumping, switch-kicking, uh, throw a hook and throw a low kick because I saw somebody else do it. Not any real rhyme or reason of setting stuff up or why I was doing stuff. I was just fighting and off of like rhythm and feel, just free. I was a free fighter, but if I could get your leg, get your back, I'm taking you down, I'm going to submit you. That was my game. So I wasn't ready. Eventually, they call, short notice fight. I think Brian Caraway pulls out of the fight. 2014, pulls out. You're ready, you're in. Four and a half weeks notice. I fight Cody Gibson, my first contract. Uh, I was supposed to fight Lucas Martins. He ends up getting hurt. Now it's another debut guy. So I'm like, thank God, because Lucas Martins used to fight at 155. Then he fought at 145. Somehow, some way, he made 135. He made Bantamweight. He was big. I was big, but he was big. And I didn't cut as much weight as I cut now. Back then, I was walking around maybe 158 pounds. 55, 58 pounds. So the weight cut was a lot easier. Where now I'm walking around north of 170. It's, uh, times have changed. I'm getting a little, getting a little ocky out here. So, enter Cody Gibson. I fight him, who just took second in The Ultimate Fighter. Um... My contract now is for eight and eight. Oh, that, wow. Wow, that was a different time. Eight, 10, 12, eight and eight. My first fight on my contract. So guys, 2014. I do believe now the going rate is about 20. It's, uh, I think 10 and 10 or 12 and 12. I don't want to misspeak. The new debut guys will have to verify that. Coming off contenders or whatnot. Um, so the, the money has gone up little by little. But my first fight, 8-8, eight and eight, Cody Gibson. My second fight, I fight Hugo Vienna, 10-10, um, and 10, I win. So I show up, step on the scale, I make weight, I get the 8,000. I step into the cage. Well, actually, I have to step into the cage. I step into the cage, I get my 8,000. Win or lose, well, win, you have, to, you have to win, and then you get your other side of the money, which is another 8,000. So I made 16 grand. Then I had to pay out my coaches. 
And then I had to pay for the training that it took to me to get to the fight to begin with. So that covered those expenses. So that replenished the expenses I spent to get to the fight. And then I'm also paying for extra flights. I'm paying for hotel rooms. Um, so that's 16000 that looks so great. Like, oh, you just made sixteen grand. And then the most important guy of them all, Uncle Sam. Got to make sure you pay Uncle Sam. Because I'm getting paid directly. I don't have a business at this time. I'm getting paid to Aljamain Sterling. I'm not getting paid to my corporation that I now have. So, with that being said, 8-8, eight and eight, Hugo Vienna, 10-10. and 10. Um, Takei Mizugaki, who was ranked 6 at the time. But guys, my third UFC fight, I'm fighting the number 6 guy in the world with no real stand-up. No real stand-up whatsoever. My stand-up was just, I'm going to kick you, I'm going to run, kick you, I'm going to run. I'm going to throw a jab here and there, this looping hook. Hopefully, you run into it, and eventually, you get mad because I keep hitting you, and you can't catch me, and then I take you down. That was my game. I beat the number six guy in the world. I submit him in the third round. That was 12 and 12. Then I fight my last fight on my contract thinking, ah, they offered me another deal, but the deal I didn't like. It wasn't the number that I thought I was going to get. Um, I'm looking at Sage Northcutt. I'm thinking he got a big contract at 40 and 40. Maybe if he got a contract like that for his debut fight, why can't I get something like that for my second contract? I'm just going to cut that part of the story. I didn't, I didn't get 40 and 40 for my second contract. That's a whole nother conversation. We're just talking about my first UFC contract. I got 14-14 to fight Johnny Eduardo, finished him in the second round, guillotine choke. It's the one where I kind of hit the hangman thing, and then I kind of do the Millie, the, the Millie Rock on any block, boy. Uh, Millie Rock on any block. All that. So let me put this into perspective. If you come in and you don't win your first fight, you don't win your second fight, some people even go 0-3 and you get cut. You go 0-2, some people get cut. So you do all that work. I understand what Sean Strickland was saying. It's a very tough job. I was still working a full-time job as I went through my first entire contract. I didn't quit my job until... And mind you, I was a substitute teacher, but sometimes I was doing um, maternity leave positions where if the guy stepped out or, the, or fraternity leave where the girl left and I would step in for the position, fill in as a physical education teacher or whatever sub-position that they have for any subject, and I would have to work 21 days in a row before I got the full pay of a full-time teacher. If I didn't, I was only getting the sub-pay. So I was working for the chump change. I think back then it was like $100 a day, maybe $120. Um, but I was just subbing. I mean, so it wasn't like super strenuous work. So in between the days, in between periods, I would try to run to the, to the gym at the school and try to get a lift in, or if I had two or three periods off in a row, I would go to my gym, try to hit pads, then come back, finish up the day, and at the end of the day, I would run back to the gym and get a second workout in for the day. So it was a grind. So what I'm saying is, that kid that Sean Strickland was speaking to, you can chase your dreams of trying to be an MMA star, UFC fighter star, but you have to also be practical and realistic. Don't Put all your eggs in one basket where you don't have a fallback plan. Not saying you got to go to college, but I do think you should have some type of skill or trade that you can fall back on, something that you could use and utilize to to have like your safety net. And I know there's something to be said. Well, if you know you have a safety net, you won't give it your all because you think it's always good because you got you always got something to fall back on. Yes or no? Yes or no? We're only gonna get older, right? 
I'm 19, 20, 21 years old. I'm trying this crazy thing called MMA, not knowing what the hell is going to turn into. I didn't get into the sport for money. I got into the sport so I could get to the UFC and become a UFC champion. And then when I realized money came along the way with that, that was icing on the cake. I was happy for my second pro fight that I made 500 and 500 cash under the table. That's what I got paid. Most promotions don't even pay that. I'm lucky I even made half as much as that for my second pro fight, you know? And I didn't sell any tickets. I went all the way to PA and made that money. I was happy. I thought I was balling out. And I realized just the gas and total loan and food just to get here, even though I think they did cover that. But it's just very expensive, you know? Especially living in Long Island, New York. So I'm saying this kid, you can follow your dream and, and, and accomplish this tough task of becoming a UFC churning, uh, champion. It's not easy to do. And it's not easy to get to the UFC. And it's even more difficult to stay in the UFC. Like I said, I've got a really good friend close to my heart. Um, I'm sure you guys know who he is. He had a tough run. One of the most talented guys I've ever trained with. Tough break in the UFC. And I feel bad because to know he was one of my main training partners when he was living here in the States. And to know how well we would do competitively against each other, how well he would do with everybody else in the room. I'm talking about going with Javin and his brother Fowler. I'm talking going with Marab. I'm talking going with some of these other studs, Patchy Mix and all these other guys. And the work that he would put in and how he would look in the room. And then just somehow he just never was able to get the job done and went under the bright lights. So it just, it goes like that sometimes. And sometimes you, you have to come back and build yourself back up on the regional circuit and try to come back and hopefully you can accomplish your goal that time, you know? So you can imagine, this is the kicker. If you lose my first fight, eight and eight, say I take the fight, I step into the cage and I lost. My second fight is still eight and eight. It doesn't go up. It only goes up when you win. So I want you guys to understand that. And I hope this isn't like, a negative thing for me. I just want people to be educated on what they're talking about because it, it blows my mind when people start talking about this stuff. I'm not going to talk about what I make now. I'm in a much better place. I'm paid way better. I'm happy with what I'm getting paid. Of course, I would love to get more money. That's just always a thing. I'm not getting championship pay anymore, but I still got some, you know, it's still good what I'm making. I can still make a pretty damn good living doing what I'm doing now or have been doing, I should say. But if you lose on that early goings of your contract, that escalator never kicks in. And the opportunity for you to really see growth, you're literally gambling on yourself every single time and hoping that you've done the right homework to get the job done when you get your hand raised. And you're hoping that maybe you get a bonus and you get a finish because if you get the bonus, that's 50K automatic added and tacked on. So there is earning potential, but let's not pretend that you still can't lose and it could just be you, I don't want to say squandered. I don't want to say wasted because you tried, right? That's the whole thing about life. I always preach, try, guys. Try to know that at least you said you tried and you gave it your best foot forward. And you did everything you could do under your power. And that's always been my message to everybody. Even after I lost to Amali, that was my message. It's just like, Amali's chasing a dream. I achieved the dream. He's a chasing a dream. Although I still felt like, and this is why maybe I'm too, I'm too real. Because although I I know I was rushing to that fight, although I know it wasn't the perfect situation, I know that the, this 
the deck was stacked against me mentally, physically. The carrot was dangled in front of me. And I was like, is it worth the squeeze of taking this reward now and potentially losing because I know I have all these things that are happening behind the scenes that no one gives a shit about. The only people that know about it are myself and my, my loved ones and my coaches. We took the gamble, but Sean chased the dream and he won. And that's the game. You take a chance on life. You take a chance on yourself. And hopefully you can achieve the things that you set those goals out to be. And hopefully your life is good. You know, I, I do wish everyone has success in their lifetime. They get to experience what it feels like to win at something that they truly wanted to do or want to do. And uh, I think when you're joining a sport like this, as long as you have that in perspective, like I'm going to give it my best. And as long as I know, like, at the end of it, I'm not going to be resentful. I'm not going to hate people because they didn't do X, Y, and Z. I gave it my best. I control the things that I could control. And whatever happens, happens. I think it makes it much easier for you to sleep at night. It makes it much easier to just live day to day and where things don't bother you. Like, people, I, do, I, I have a mixed result since my strong fight, right? I have a lot more people that now like me for whatever reason. They like me now as if anything I've said have changed. I'm not saying anything different. I think they're just now willing to listen, right? But what I'm saying is, I think when you take the time to chase a dream and to to get to a certain place in your career, in your life, again, my message is, has always been always been that. Yeah, I might talk a little shit because I think it makes the fight more fun. I think it, it makes it a little bit more engaging. There's more war of words. Someone has to eat their words. Unfortunately, for that one, I had to eat my words and that's just how the game goes. But it makes it easier for me. Like, I think people think I'm going to be bothered if they, like, send memes or stuff to me. But I'm just kind of like, dude, my life's good, bro. I'm like, I'm set. Like, I'm okay. Like, trust me. I, I think if there was a game where if I could compare myself to somebody, I'm not, like, Francis level set. But I won the game. You know what I mean? Um, so, with that being said, I... I I think people got to keep things in perspective and it makes it easier for me to get through my day-to-day -day life because I'm like, yeah, you know what? I do care, but I took a chance and sometimes things don't go your way. You see, you're not going to always win and that's why you have those ups and downs, those peaks and valleys and I think that's what life's all about. If you're able to get through those ups and downs, it makes you stronger every single time and uh, with that being said, um, I hope I touched on everything that Sean pretty much said. Like, yes, it's a tough job. Yes, it's a tough way to make your money. Yes, you can be old, beaten up. You can. There's a whole lot of negatives that go into it, but there's a whole lot of positives that can come out of it as well. It just depends on what side of the fence that you're going to be on and how real you got to keep it with yourself to know like everyone on the roster wants to become a UFC champion. Will everyone become a UFC champion? I think statistics have shown that no, that won't happen. Whether it's politics whether it's skills, whether it's matchups, uh, whether it's opportunities or unfortunate events of having injuries and surgeries and missing out on opportunities, there's so much that can happen. So as long as you're prepared for the long haul, good things can happen. But if you're not, just make sure you have yourself a backup plan because I'm telling you guys, this is free game. I didn't buy my first house until 2018. I lived with Ally Quinta, moved out of my parents' house. We had like a whole discrepancy, beefing. Me and my dad just doing weird stuff to my door and when I whenever I went to the gym or went to work. Uh, so eventually moved out, moved with Al, lived in Seaford, New York. 
Um, he, he took care of me. He charged me 500 bucks and allowed me the opportunity to save money from my fights. I helped him out, wash the dishes when I need to wash the dishes, swept the floor, vacuum. Like, I did my part. He helped me out. I made sure I, I was a good tenant, helped him out everywhere I could. We always joke about it to this day, still saying, like, he, I'm still one of his best tenants that he's ever had. Um, but I saved my money. 2018, I was able to move out, buy my first house. Um, and I'm super proud of that. But guys, you got to remember, I made my UC debut in 2014. So I try to give free game to even some of the guys who are getting into the UFC now from our gym. And I tell them, like, don't be in a haste to buy a house now. And then you're, you're now fighting for money because you need to make ends meet to pay this big mortgage. Because Long Island is expensive. You, you'll be lucky if you can get a mortgage under $3,000. And that's if you put down about 20%. You know, unless you got a deal, some crazy deal, you're going to buy some condo that's going to be maybe in the 300s. And even that's still pretty expensive, plus maintenance and utilities. You're paying a pretty penny. And Long Island, yeah, you can move out of Long Island and go somewhere else. But guys, it's, it's not that easy to just, to just do that. You know what I mean? There's a lot of moving parts. So if there's any knowledge I could give, is like, take your time. Don't be in a rush. And I got a crazy joke, too. We, um... Inside joke, because I remember talking to Pat DeFranco, and he, he's a retired MMA fighter now. Has a really successful um, glass business, uh, Premier Windows and Doors, is what he does for construction. And I remember when I was getting ready to fight Brian Carey, mind you, this is my first pro loss in the UFC. And I lost to Rafael Sunset right after, on my second UFC contract. So I'm still working. I didn't quit my job yet. Thank God I didn't. Uh... <laughs> And I said, yo, if I finish Brian Caraway in the first round and I get a bonus, I'm buying a jet ski. 50 grand plus my paycheck on my first new contract. I'm, it it would have been a pretty significant amount of money, just shy of six figures. So I'm thinking all these crazy thoughts in my head and I end up and I lose and I lose my next one. So I get no escalator again. No escalator. Not, not again. It's my first time not getting an escalator. But the first one and the second one. And then my third fight, I beat Takino Mendez. So now I finally get the escalator going into the next fight after that. So with that being said, follow your dreams. Sorry to make this long-winded. I, I typically hate doing that. But I hope this was beneficial. I hope people get something out of this. Um, but always have a backup plan, man. I'm not perfect. I'm not the smartest guy in the room. I tend to look to my elders and try to see mistakes that they made, see things that they've done correct, see how I could take notes from them, see how I can do things the right way or things, try to do things a little bit differently depending on how they did things. And I think that's where knowledge comes from, being able to humble yourself to look at other people and say, it'd be nice to get advice from this guy. It'd be nice to watch and take notes and be like, I don't know all the answers because I don't have all the answers and get that inside knowledge and being able to do things the right way. Or a better way. So with that being said, um, do your homework. Always bet on yourself. But if you're going to bet on yourself, do it the smart way. Make sure you have a backup plan. Either one or two different things. Because um, life is long. It's not a, it's, Life is short, but it's also very long. So it's okay to be sad about certain things. and But at the end of the day, once that sadness stops, or you have your moment of sadness, I should say, you got to dust yourself off, pick yourself up, and go again. Whether it's in the same realm or it's in something different, but you dust yourself off, you go again. Um, and on that note, 
Thank you guys for staying safe. Um, and thank you guys for tuning in. Bless up yourself. Don't forget to hit the like and subscribe button. I would truly appreciate that. Something with the algorithm. I don't know. Shout out my, my guys over in Dubai. Trove. Thank you guys. See you guys later. I'm about to go hang out with the boys. Peace.